Wait. Nope. Listeners, this is your friendly neighborhood alcoholic. Fuck yeah, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta admire that energy. This is the podcast, Where's My Flashlight? We've had a lot of technical difficulties before we could we could come to you and bring you the sound bite for your ear holes, but we're here now, and that's the most important thing. Hi, Heather. Hi, Sophie. How are you? Best. <laughs> yeah, I am warm. I'm smelly. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty happy about most things in my life right now. Ooh. Some things I'm not happy about, but I can't really talk about them publicly yet. So we'll save that for another day. Right. So I'm sure the listeners are dying. How was your vacation in Cincinnati? Amazing. (laughs) You came really close to the microphone on that one. I did. I'm like almost eating it. Oh, geez. That good, huh? It was amazing. It was very, very humid there. But it was awesome. And we went to the zoo. And we held hands. Yeah, it was good. Okay. It was an excellent. Like that. It was an excellent vacation. Um, it was only three really enough time to do all the things that we mm. wanted to do. Like sixty nine. I'm just kidding. Gross. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Okay. Yes. Um, we don't have to talk about that. Those details. But yeah, you know, I'm I'm happy for you. I'm so glad. Yes. Thank you. It was. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to go back. I bet. So yeah, maybe vacation part two before we know it. Well, is there a particular reason why he shouldn't come to Ventucky? He hates flying and oh. so Okay. I'm willing yeah. to make this sacrifice, but I don't know, maybe him so yeah, I mean, if he puts in a reasonable accommodation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all know how well those work out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had a pretty difficult time with the reasonable accommodation at my former employers. Yeah, I've talked about that. It, it, they're rough, but mm-hmm. <sighs> systems aren't very kind to people with alternate abilities let's say yeah abilities i mean it's like you know it's no surprise because there's there's always different kinds of isms and this might be considered ableism in the system Mm -hmm. whatever system it is yeah it kind of torques my jibs um should it is a serious jib torker sophie that's my life but in better news oh i'm going to see taylor swift on saturday 
Oh. And I'm going to cry the whole time. <laughs> and it's going to be amazing. <laughs> I love her song. I can't remember what. I think you played it for me when I was over there last time where it's like, I'm the problem. It's me. Mm -hmm. I freaking love that song because it, it's, it goes through my head here and there and, um, kind of helps remind me to humble myself. Yeah. Like, like maybe I'm contributing to the problem and I don't need to get so pissed off at someone, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you something right now. I've got little issue. I've got issues too that, you know, there's maybe something I can apologize for or right. whatever, you know? Yeah. And I know that's hard to do because we're <sighs> human and we got pride and all that bullshit, but I think it goes a long way to just acknowledge when you make a mistake or you hurt somebody's feelings or whatever and mm -hmm. just say, I'm, so I'm sorry. Absolutely. Yeah. We've done some things. <laughs> it's tough how are you oh, speaking what's of, up with you um speaking of mental health yes. um so i'm 40 years old mm -hmm. and i'm just now finding out i probably have adhd mm -hmm. and it's kind of ridiculous because I work in this field and I was like in my head for some reason still had the stereotype of the hyperactive type. Mm -hmm. Even though I know the definition and the different, you know, categories for it. Mm -hmm. In my brain, I was still not seeing it about myself because I'm the, I'm not hyperactive. I might've been like hyperactive kid but I'm more the inattentive type. and there's some overlap between that and trauma mm -hmm. which you know it could just be dissociating that I'm doing you yeah. know rather than you know but a lot of the symptoms do line up with me and like I'm looking back at my history and I'm like oh shit mm -hmm. like a lot of it makes sense it's kind of mind blowing because, you know, it's like, how could I, you know, it, it's like physician heal thyself, you know, <laughs> it's like, you should like know your, like, I, I like to think of myself as pretty self-aware mm -hmm. person. And so to, to, you know, talk to my psychologist and have him say, yeah, I think the diagnosis fits. And I'm like, I, I laughed hysterically yeah. because I was just like, oh my God, I feel like a total buffoon, but also it makes sense. And also, ah, oh, now that makes sense. And so it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's been quite the awakening process. And then also I joined, I decided to join a group to help diet. Mm -hmm. To have that extra accountability because I've been having some difficulties with eating my feelings and mm -hmm. overeating. And I'm probably also addicted to sweets, which is an easy thing to do because it's like, 
Milo, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear my I can. over here. Jeez. Like, he thinks he's the only cat in the world. Okay. Aww. Come here, Kitty. He is the only cat in the world. Milo, come here, baby. What is wrong with you? What is wrong? Jesus. Okay. Oh, it's getting hot. Whew. Okay, so anyways back to my story. So yeah, I joined a supportive group, a 12 step group, and I've started doing daily, uh, meal journals, mm -hmm. you know? And so I'm looking at my patterns, seeing that I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't have a healthy relationship with food. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm not, I'm definitely not doing this thing called human, right? And so, yeah. In fact, I'm actually going to be going to this group later on this evening. Mm -hmm. And so far, I've been really enjoying it, and I've been relating a lot. It's a women's group, by the way, which is freaking phenomenal because mm -hmm. sometimes you may not feel as comfortable sharing about the body image aspect of it with other genders present mm -hmm. you know of course other topics may come up where women and female identifying people can probably identify with more and so it'd be probably just I don't know it just feels a safer space where I can talk more about this stuff mm -hmm. you know so yeah so that's been a good good thing but all of this is to say realizing I have an unhealthy relationship with food and then realizing I have, um, I may have a mental health disorder. And then I'm trying to register in the state of Washington, my licensure, and then having Washington ask about my disabilities. Mm. And so then I have to give them details about what's what's going on with me and then I also have to tell them why I should still be approved you know why I have a still have why I have a handle on it yeah basically you know because they're like well what are you doing about it to to like you know better yourself yeah. like protect your clients or whatever from harm mm -hmm. and you know I get that I do, but I've never been grilled so extensively, mm -hmm. you know, about it. And so, again, it kind of, like, comes back to that system, ableism, where it's like, okay, I have to give you all of these de details that are none of your business. Mm -hmm. And clearly you don't trust that I'm in the field and have my client's best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just frustrating going along the lines of with what we're talking about. Yeah. That seems like an invasion of privacy. It is. It feels like it, you know, and then they're asking me about, you know, my criminal history and stuff like that. And, you know, I don't have anything where I've, you know, sold drugs or manufactured drugs or, or like, hit anybody assaulted anybody like I don't have any history like that mm -hmm. but it's it's asking for my history in detail about it as a juvenile 
and as an adult. And it's like, wow, okay, because I'm a recovering alcoholic and addict. I That's how I identify. Oh, fuck. I, I guess I'm like, you know, it's pretty obvious to the listeners that I have this these issues, but I have a history of me so good this due to my diseases or my disease, you know? Yeah. You know, all of this they could find out very easily by just doing a background check on me. Mm -hmm. Which is what they're supposed to do. But they, they want me to put everything in detail and explain everything. And again, that's kind of like, it's kind of like a, you know, a job application. You know, they want to know your, again, it just feels like, God, how long do I have to keep paying for this? Because Mm -hmm. that was 12, that was almost 12 years. And it just feels like I still have to like prove myself and say, oh, I'm in recovery now. I'm not that person anymore. It's not going to be an issue. But it's just. I, I, I have to explain it to every hairy system that I encounter and it yeah. just it annoys me. I wish I could just say, you know what, find my history, you will find due to the fact that I am a recovering alcoholic, I'm now in recovery and I'm focused on bettering myself. I mean, this isn't going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like that's all I should have to say. But they want dates, and they want specifics, and they I want, you I feel know, like you shouldn't have to say any of that. I feel like all of it isn't in privacy. <laughs> like, yeah. honestly. Like, anything that they kind by doing a background check, if they have an issue with it, then they can talk to you about it. But, like, I don't know. I have a lot of problems with this. So do I. You know it's driving it's it's very like it's very reluctant to register Mm -hmm. because it's like you know I'm not a sex offender I haven't you know it's like but it's almost like I have to prove myself and you know it's just yeah it's it's annoying because really what exactly like you said what it should be is since they're already gonna do it's like because what they want to do is they want to catch you lying so then they can reject, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, oh, if they lie about it. Yeah, they they then, want you didn't. So. Right. They want it faulty way. Mm-hmm. And it, it so they have an easy out or whatever. Ugh. And it's like, you know, I'm, an, you know, yeah, it's frustrating. So it's like, you know what? If you find anything in my background that doesn't automatically disqualify me. You know, like I'm not an arsonist. I'm not a sex offender. I haven't committed any offense where I've assaulted anybody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if, if if you background and you know that disqualifies me, then move the fuck on, people. Mm-hmm. Move the fuck on with my application and just see, okay, what else does she meet and satisfy our requirements? Okay, yes, approved. Mm-hmm. Look at that. It doesn't be this grilling, like, five million questions, which it which it is. Okay. You know? It is, yeah. That's it's ridiculous. been kind of, yeah, and it's been kind of a for me because I'm trying to get on medication and there's a shortage. Mm-hmm. 
going on, which I found out actually from my clinical supervisor, shortage of and the amphetamine type medications for people with ADHD on right now. And they knew, so they knew it was going to happen. Hmm. The manufacturers and the authorities, you know, whoever it is, I can't remember if it's the DEA or whatever, who, you know, regulates and whatnot. But Mm -hmm. in any case, it's considered a narcotic. And, you know, it's, they knew that it would happen. But they didn't, they didn't do it anyways. They, yeah. they didn't take the necessary steps. And that frustrates me because, you know, I don't know if this is what's going to happen. But a lot of times when people can't get the medication they need to function, really opioid or it's a medication that they have been prescribed and approved by a doctor who knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm that they will go, they will resort to street drugs. Mm -hmm. And I'm not okay with that. That really bothers me because there's a lot of, there's a lot of people out there that are relying on medications so that they can focus and they can function and they can stay organized and they can meet deadlines and they can, you know, do what, their employer expects of them and they can do what their families expect of them. They can do what, you know what I mean? Like that's, it it betters a lot of people's lives, what it does. And, you know, it's like, I know self-medicating because I drank two cups of coffee and then had an energy drink just so that I could get some shit done today. (laughs) And And I've always used caffeine you know, there's not research which says that people with ADHD are self-medicating with caffeine. What I'm saying is I'm self-medicating with caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good distinction. And, and, yeah. And then I have to get on a wait list and then I don't even have the medications available to help me get my projects and things that I need to get done. So I'm having in the meantime, hoping, you know, like, you have to wait in line to, to get a prescriber to help you. And it can be months out, you know, right Jesus. now, cause it's just like, you know, it's a, a mental health is a fucking, it's a situation going on in this country right now. It is, it is. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I have found medication that helps me and that it, any of them that, you know, there have been shortages or any kind of like hurdles to get to get access to them. Right. Because that sucks. Exactly. It does. And that's my soapbox rant for the day. Excellent. I love it. <laughs> I don't love that you or anyone else is dealing with that, but I love a good soapbox rant. Thank you. You're welcome. Do you want to dive into ghost hunters? 
Absolutely. real quick? Absolutely. All right. Okay. Okay. We're on Ghost Hunters, Season 2, Episode 8. We're just breezing through this shit. <laughs> kind of. Okay, so the first case that they do on this episode is at Astor's Beechwood Mansion in Newport, Rhode Island. And the Astor family is one of those, like, big, old, money, rich families from New England that, you know, you know, that people may have heard of. Blah, blah, blah. So this, this mansion, it operates like a museum and you can get tours of it and there are people who live and work there and they like when they're working you know they're they're dressed in what I like to call period dress <laughs> that never um, gets old it never gets old except it is old because it's dress what period <laughs> I don't know comes at this place Supposedly, a telephone repairman was alerted in the basement and died, and so there's rumors that he's haunting the basement. There's a lady in yellow. This is where the period dress comes in. She's wearing a yellow period dress. I personally prefer darker, and you know, you can't see the period, but that's disgusting, Sophie. How dare you <laughs> <laughs> blame me for that? That was your dirty mind that conjured that. That wasn't me. I know. I know. <laughs> um, I just got done having a period that I swear to God, I was bleeding for like nine days. Jesus criminy. I know. Like on South Park, you know, Mr. Garrison is like, never trust anything that bleeds for five days and doesn't die. And I was like, dude, what about nine days? How am I alive right now? But that's... That's different. That we don't... It was because... Okay, I stopped taking my birth control pills. Which, like, forced me to have a period. Because I was like, I'm never going to have sex again. I don't need this. You know? <laughs> so, I didn't have a period for months. Because I wasn't on the pill. And I wasn't doing it with anybody, so it didn't matter, right? But then I was like, well, you know, vacation's coming up. So I went back on the pill. And then when it was time, you know, when you when you get onto the green pills, my body was like, oh, we've been saving up for this. <laughs> and it was like the fury of ten suns. Bleeding out. Anyway, that's horrifying. I'm sorry. Okay, so the lady in yellow walks up and down the spiral staircase. And people have seen apparitions. People have felt breathing on their neck and in their ears. They've heard voices, footsteps. And the doors that are, like, on the third floor where the employee living quarters are, the doors will open and close on their own when no one is there. So those are the claims. And let's see. So Jason Grant, Andy, Steve, Dustin, and Carl, the demonologist. They, they're on the case. And they start off with trying to debunk things. Like they figure out that the doors are opening and closing on their own. Because first of all, they're wooden doors. 
and they're very old and they're in Rhode Island where it's very humid and all of those things are going to make the wood expand and contract as the humidity and temperature fluctuate. And also none of the doors have latches so they're not going to stay shut anyway. So that was pretty easy to debunk. And then I guess there's like cold spots in the ballroom like it's impossible to heat the ballroom in the winter and I'm like well yeah because it's an old building like what but then they discover that the heating ducts are disconnected and stuffed with blankets so there's not even actual heat going to that room and that's really all that happens they when they're going through the analysis there are two specks of dust. <laughs> and that's like I'd the... i bugs. Yeah, that's like the only thing. So they go to the reveal and they're like, we didn't catch anything. We didn't have any experiences here. You have nothing to worry about. And that, that's case number one. Did the owners... I can't, I can't remember. How, do you th what did you think they thought about the, the news? I thought they were relieved. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Because they wanted, you know, their employees to feel and comfortable living there and that... Wearing their period clothes. In their period clothes. And so that, that seemed to be the resolution that they were like, okay, nothing to worry about. You know, if anything weird happens, it might be explained by this. You know, like Jason explained about the doors not having latches and so you know they're not gonna stay shut okay moving on this is the exciting part case number two they are in a home a a private home called the roselle park house in newark new jersey and they they were called in to this case by central new jersey paranormal which was founded by ray men Menicucci. Ray Minacucci and Dave fucking Tango. Woo! Yes, this is the first episode with Dave fucking Tango. I love him so much. Me too. And it's so cute because like when they show his name, they're like David Tango. <laughs> it's so precious. He's just the sweetest. Okay. Okay. So this lady chooses to remain anonymous and they can't even show her face or anything. Um, she lives by herself in this cute little house in Newark, New Jersey, in the Roselle neighborhood. And she is freaked out and she wants to like sell her house and move away because of all this shit that she's dealing with. Like she hears banging time, she hears furniture being moved around upstairs. She has gone upstairs and the furniture has is in a different spot. She has like a full length mirror in her room and there will be like face prints on it. Like someone put their face like right up on the mirror. Uh, and then Dave and Ray say that they've f smelled, you know, like phantom smells. Oh my God. That's of, my name. That is. I know. I always think of you. You're my <laughs> own personal phantom smell. <laughs> um, but they'll just get this, like, really powerful whiff of perfume, like, right in their face without any recognizable source. And they have found, like, traveling cold spots. 
So Jason, Grant, Steve, Andy, Dustin, and Paula come down to help Dave and Ray. And they do their best to investigate. You know, like Andy sprays cooking spray on the mirror because then it will be very obvious if anyone touches it. And then the chair that moves by itself, supposedly, they put, like, electrical tape on the floor to mark, like, where the, the wheels are when they leave the room. Science, you know. Um, but as soon as they get in and start investigating, Jason and Grant are the only ones in the house. Because it's such a small house, they can't have everybody in there at once. So Jason and Grant go in, and like as soon as they're in there, they hear like really loud footsteps, like f coming from the second floor, and not only footsteps, but it sounds like something's being moved, like dragged across the floor, and it's loud enough that like you can hear it like on the show. And, whoa, nobody's up there, and um, they do like a split screen, so you can see like here's Jason and Grant inside the house, and here's everybody else outside at the van, you know so that we can see where everybody is and that everybody is accounted for. So it goes on fence and then Jason and Grant are like, we need to go play that back and listen to it, see like if it was caught and whatever. And Grant's laptop crashes and they lose the audio. And it is so sad. But they continue with the investigation and we see the cutest, sweetest thing where Steve and Dave are doing an EVP session together for the first time. It's so sweet. But then they find out, no, the window's open. Is this and the one where he makes Dave wear that no. little princess crown? No. Okay. That's that's later. Um, but he does already start fucking with him. <laughs> um, just like a foreshadowing for what we're going to see in the future. You know, he's already like you know, he has this, like, Steve has an audio recorder, and he's like, oh, I just got this, and it was, like, $680, and Tango's like, whoa, that's pretty nice, and then Steve's like, no, I'm just kidding, it was, like, 80 bucks, and Dave's like, wait, what? Like, he's so confused, because he's so sweet and gullible, and I love him, and then there was something else that he does, and now I can't think of what it was, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah, so it, it's already starting, their little back and forth, and it's so cute. So, alright, so then in the analysis, they see, like, the, the chair moved. When they go back and watch the tape, they see that someone actually bumps into it. So it wasn't anything paranormal, it was a person bumping into it. And that's all that they really get. And Steve finds um, a different audio recorder that uh, captured the sound that Jason and Grant heard in the beginning. So they didn't lose it totally. So they're able to play that for the homeowner. And she's like, that's exactly what I hear all the time. And they're like, well, we don't think it's anything to worry about. It's just a noise, you know. And Jason declares this house haunted but with a residual <laughs> a residual haunt only. oh my god yeah 
So that's a very fast rundown of Season 2, Episode 8, featuring Dave Tango. He he is gullible, but um, a better way or a more positive way I would like to describe Dave Tango is he's very trusting. Yes, he's a very trusting person mm -hmm. and very open-minded. Mm-hmm. Right. And Steve yeah. gets in there and fucks with him. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's probably the proper hazing, you know, because mm -hmm. he's new to the group and, you know, it's This is it's before like... they even invite him to the group. There's yeah. like a plumbing scene with Jason and Grant where like, maybe we should invite him on some cases. He seems pretty cool. And I'm like, what about Ray? Why does Ray get tossed aside to the wolves? I don't know. It. Who knows? Maybe the producers had some influence or ideas about or maybe, it. Because maybe Ray doesn't want to travel as much or just isn't able to make that kind of commitment. Yeah, maybe it's all a, of the uh, There could be a million reasons. Right. But, yeah, just in case we haven't, you know, um, elaborated in previous episodes, period dress is something that is kind of an inside joke between <laughs> Heather here and I because we hear it so many times when we're watching these different paranormal shows. And it's like, and she and I are both kind of, I don't know, would you describe yourself as a bit of a history buff? Kind of. Yeah, yeah, I'd say I'm kind of that way too. You know, I kind of, I know a pretty decent amount about his, historical events mm -hmm. and time periods. And so, you know, to have people say something like period dress without referring to the specific period mm -hmm. that the dress was worn, mm -hmm makes it incredibly vague you yeah. know um and i make fun of it at length <laughs> well yeah and it's like it's just to differentiate that it's you know whatever they saw the apparition or spirit or whatever it was that they saw or think they saw they're, they're just not wearing like modern clothes so that's like a weird very vague way to differentiate between modern clothing and any kind of clothing from the past. It's like period right. dress. It's like, well, that it's so vague and like there's there's so many different periods. And yeah. you know, well, I may what not period? I may not be like a history expert, but I have done a lot of research about the history of women's undergarments. <laughs> and Perfect. um yeah. And yeah, so it, there's just, it just bothers me. It's like, pick a period. Yeah, like, you know, I think Heather and I have, have watched one show recently where they at least referred to the century yes. in which it was. And like, she and I were like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of acceptable. At least they were telling us it was the 19th century at the time or some. I think it was that. I think it was the 19th century yeah I think so. and and it's like yeah there are probably many different from each decade of mm -hmm. that century but it's like okay at least they gave us a, a ballpark yeah estimate, they're, and they're I narrowing that. it down a little bit right <laughs> 
but uh yeah so and then obvious so i i yeah i don't know why people chose that as a euphemism to describe any other period of time than modern clothing i don't know when this was agreed upon as the (laughs) you know the respectable way to describe things Mm -hmm. i you know like when when did this i don't know yeah i guess who started period dress yeah yeah i'm gonna talk to them right i have questions too Mm -hmm. so yeah Uh, you know short story long yes thank you yeah (laughs) thank you for for clarifying what period dress supposedly means So that's that. What do you what do you got? I was thinking about our last episode where um, Taps was able to go investigate the home, the Sutcliffe home, which was the event setting for the Conjuring universe originally. And so mm-hmm. I felt like I because I, you know, I think that I remembered a good amount of details and was pretty good at clarifying the details that I wasn't sure about, but I still felt like I did a bit of a disservice to us and would like to tell a little bit more about what actually happened in the Sutcliffe home that the Conjuring universe is actually referring to, or at least the first Conjuring Mm -hmm. movie is referring to. So originally so i'm i'm actually reading an article from it's by kristen tomayalo from october 18th 2013 and it's called andrea perone returns to ri or rhode island to tell the true story behind the conjuring and andrea perone was the oldest daughter Mm-hmm. of the five girls, the five daughters um, in the Perone family. So apparently the, it originally happened in East Greenwich. Is it Greenwich or Greenwich? Greenwich. Okay, that's what I thought. So in East Greenwich in 1971, the Perone family moved into a charming old house in Harrisville, Rhode Island. Little did they know they were not alone. The happenings of a seemingly unextraordinary home would forever lives. Over the next nine years, the family learned there is no veil between the physical and supernatural world as doors slammed, beds shook, and apparitions wandered by. From time to time, they were even physically harmed by spirits who wanted to make themselves known. Andrea Perone says, We have a respect for the spirits. We lived with them. It was their house first their house first. Uh, Andrea Perone has written two books about the hauntings her family experienced entitled House of Darkness, House of Light. Volume three is also in the works. So she's writing, or by this time, she's now written three uh, books about um, the home. 
So the Perone story, along with the findings of well-known paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren, who investigated the home in the 1970s, got the attention of Hollywood. 42 years after the Perones stepped into the Harrisville home, The Conjuring hit theaters and was credited by many critics as one of the scariest movies of 2013. The film, directed by James Wan, or Wan, I apologize, James, you're one of my favorite horror directors, and I'm probably butchering your last name, follows the Warrens, who assist the Perones as they experience disturbing events in their home. Perone said, I think it's an informative film. It's beautifully done, but there's just so much more story to tell, Perone said. To this day, there are many things that went on in that home that Perone will not discuss, but she will share much of her family's ghostly tale October 24th at 7 p.m. at the Media Presentation Theater in the New England Institute of Technology Library, 1 New England Tech Boulevard. Okay, so yeah, this was probably back in 2013, so that's probably pointless to tell you you may be able to look it up though maybe they recorded it anyone her own who currently lives in georgia with her mother carolyn is happy to return to the state where it all began she referred to rhode island as the gem in the crown that we call the u.s i don't know if i would agree with that statement but you know whatever i haven't been around so i don't have an opinion yeah yeah that's fair Perone will discuss her experiences and her belief that the scientific and spiritual worlds have to merge in common purpose. There is a scientific explanation to what happened, she said. We simply haven't discovered it yet. The Conjuring is not based on Perone's two books, but rather from the stories both Perone and Lorraine Warren shared with New Line Cinema. Her books, however, are full chronicles of the herd. Perone said the film use any singular scene that she revealed, but rather combines bits and pieces of information. Some aspects of the film, she said, were patently untrue. There was no exorcism like in the film. It was a seance that went very wrong. What they portrayed in the film was not what happened, Perone said. The seance was scarier. It was the most terrifying night of my life. On that night, the Warrens arrived at the house with a medium. Perone and her younger sister, Cindy, hid nearby and watched as the medium conjured up a spirit who attacked their mother, Carolyn. Carolyn was picked up and thrown into another room. Her body slammed to the ground. The Warrens believe Carolyn was possessed. Perone suspects the medium opened a door she couldn't close. Her mother, she said, most likely had a concussion from the incident and took a long time to come out of the condition she was in. She was utterly drained and in pain. The dark presence who attacked and haunted Carolyn was thought to be Bathsheba Sherman, according to the Warrens. Bathsheba lived in the home in the early 1800s and was charged with manslaughter of a baby. The charges were dropped, but rumors spread that she killed the child for a satanic sacrifice. The Warrens were convinced she haunted and cursed anyone who lived in the house for control of the household. According to Perone, the family researched the history of the home and found at least a dozen people who killed themselves or had a tragic death in the house or on the property. After the seance, there were no more major supernatural experiences in the home, and the Perones lived pretty happily most of the time in the house until they moved out in 1980, Perone said. 
But Bathsheba wasn't the only spirit to reside in the house. Violent spirits materialized as well. Some spirits would act up noises for attention when around. A father, son, and dog would appear at the top of the staircase and stare at a wall like it was a window, never making act with the Perones. So that sounds kind of like obviously a um, residual haunt, uh, mm-hmm. like Jay was talking about in Ghost Hunters earlier. April Perone, the youngest daughter with the spirit in her closet named Oliver Richardson. He was her secret friend, and she did not tell the Warrens about him in fear that he may disappear. For the most part, we did get used to it, Perone says. Perone said she even caught sight of a spirit who was a spitting image of herself as an old woman dressed in 17th century attire. Wow. So that's where <laughs> I got not only, you know, a period, mm-hmm. a specific period of dress, Whoa. you know, yeah, a hundred years, but you know, that's probably where I got the 1600s idea is I remembered it was part of the story, but I couldn't remember exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that that meant, you know, that the house had been built back in the 17th century, but maybe not mm-hmm. to continue with with the article. It means we can seriously consider reincarnation or living in multiple dimensions, she said. Now, this is Andrea Perone saying that she believes that should consider reincarnation or multiple dimensions in which existence is captured. So I think her explanation is she's saying that the reason why we're able to have these paranormal experiences is because souls or after people die, souls actually do exist in alternate dimensions and that sometimes it kind of, we're able to witness or, or, or it bleeds through and that, I don't know why she's saying that we should consider reincarnation as well as part of that because she didn't really give me any examples, but mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? Do you, do you think that that's what happens when people have paranormal experiences. It's just that there's different dimensions, which, you know, the veil is kind of thin or whatever have you. It, it could be. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm no expert. Me neither. But I do think that there are, I mean, I do believe there are much smarter minds than I, scientists who have proved, have proven that there's alternate dimensions, which actually exist Mm -hmm. um, mathematically. So I can believe that. Yeah. But can I, but can I say for certain that one of those dimensions contains dead souls or alternate realities? I don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyways, so another time, the mom of the family, Carolyn, spotted two men seated in the dining room. One man recognized her presence, got the other man's attention, and pointed towards Carolyn. To them, she was the ghost. (laughs) Mm. That's fascinating. Um, That's like that movie, The Others, with Nicole Kidman. Right, right. 
Or, you know, not only is it at different dimensions, but it almost sounds like different timelines can also bleed through or overlap. So that could be is an interesting idea. So, yeah. So the Andrea Perone says to them, she, she, Carolyn, the mom was the ghost. And she says, I always considered the house a portal, but not only a portal to the past, but to the future. Mm. It took 30 years for Perone to sit down and share her family story. The book writing process and movie release have been an emotional upheaval for her family as they found it very hard to relive each moment. The family was concerned skeptics would eat up their story, but Perone had has learned to tune out those who call the family liars. On the other hand, she has positively connected with many of her readers who writes who write letters revealing their personal experiences with the supernatural the most important reason for me to tell the story is that it exposes other dimensions of our relativity perone said the more i talk about it the more clarity it brings mm. the one thing that shocks most people perone said is the fact that most of the family would willingly move out, back into the home the five daughters lived in the home during the formative years of their lives she said Perone left the home age 21, and she was the oldest daughter. Since 1980, Perone has visited the property on several occasions and always feels like I'm home when I'm there, is what she says. It's just such a huge part of our lives and memories. My mother once said, we left the farm, but it will never leave us. Since she was a young girl, Perone believed her family was meant to move into that house and that one day she would share their story and ordeal with the world. It's not really about whether or not they exist. It's how we perceive them, Perone said of the spirits. It, or the experience, taught me about life, death, and the afterlife. And that's the end. Whoa. That's pretty cool. Thanks, Sophie. You're welcome. Yeah, it's pretty neat. I mean, it sounds like... Oh, for God's sake, Milo. My cat is actually <laughs> Um. Anyways, so, Aww. yeah, I mean, I think it's exciting. I think it's great. I, you know what is actually, I have my own personal experience story. Okay. Um, Let's hear it. Related to this, actually. Mm-hmm. So, you know, of course, last time when we were having an episode, we were having an episode I mean, we kind of were. Ha- I mean, we've had a, we've had episodes, but um, what I, I am what constantly I say- having some kind of episodes, Sophie, <laughs> as you know, as you know, an episode. Another way to say episode. Period. Yes. <laughs> my Maybe periodic I- episodes or my yeah. episodic periods. I right. Know. Either way. Uh, yeah. So what I mean to say is that during the last episode, you know, apparently I conjured up something while we were talking about the conjuring. Mm -hmm. And then, um, speaking of which, um, I started actually reading Andrea's first book of the trilogy Mm -hmm. at home. And I started to experience, let's say, um, 
some negative influences. Yeah. I don't want to get into too much detail, but let's just say just reading that book caused some weird shit to happen huh. for me. So, you know, I mean, I still recommend oh my God. people read I'm having, it. I'm having a recovered memory. Oh, do tell. It's not anything yet. It's just like this vague, like when you said that about reading a book and having things happen. I'm mm -hmm. like, something similar has happened to me, but my brain can't land on it yet. Sorry, keep going. No, that's, that's okay. Yeah, so, you know, I think that there are some cultures who believe that to talk about these things is to attract them. Mm -hmm. Basically, we, we don't discuss these subjects. Otherwise, we will attract notice we would rather not have. Right. And I get that. I do, but at the time, I believe the reason why was I don't believe I was I was properly protected or anchored in this reality, so to speak, mm -hmm. or, you know, I don't know, this dimension, if you will. Yeah. Um, while I was reading it, and I, and I honestly think that I should gain the courage to try to read it again because it is a super fascinating story. Like the things that happened to this family while they lived in that home and that the Taps family got to investigate there and mm -hmm. so many different people have investigated there and gotten evidence like, you know, that place is a notorious haunt and I would be honored. I would be absolutely honored to investigate that home because mm -hmm. like Hollywood all Hollywood aside there's been some real shit that's gone down there yeah one thing they didn't write about in the article was I think that at some point the family had gotten some kind of either a spirit communicated with them through a dream or through you know auditory means that there were bodies somewhere on the property. Yeah. And they've just never, you know, they believed it was some kind of a military skirmish or some kind of warfare on that property, which I think is quite possible. And, you know, it, I mean, who knows if that's true, Mm -hmm. but it, I think it would be neat to, to dig the place up and see what you could figure out yeah, or find. Let's, let's disturb all the graves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I do not condone disturbing the graves of native Americans. I think that that is, you know, we got to leave it to other cultures to decide what to do with their own people. Mm -hmm. But if it's just regular old white people, I think we should, we should totally disturb them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like maybe that's fucked up, but it, it, it tells us about, it tells us about our history. You know, there mm -hmm. could be bits of history that are lost that, that could be explained by whatever it is that they find. And mm -hmm. 
I think that that could shed some light also on the happenings or what's going on on the property for other people's experiences. It would kind of, you know, maybe, maybe shed some light on that too. If, if, if bodies do exist on the property and they were dug up, I think it could help a lot. I think it would be interesting. Yeah, I agree. Do know that there were some other deaths that happened on the property, but whether or not they are, as Andrea Perone says, that people are committing suicide and doing all that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know what the real history on the property is. I've never done any true research on that where I could actually look and verify specific historical sources Mm -hmm. or like firsthand accounts. But I mean, it would probably be pretty neat. You know, I'm sure that since the house was built in the 18th century, I'm sure that people probably would have died there because there would have been childbirths, there would have been deaths. Back in the day, they didn't hide death. Mm -hmm. You died in your own home in dignity. And most of the time, back in the day, you would even be buried on the property so that the family could visit you and they wouldn't have to go huge space out of their way just to go say hello to grandpa or whatever. Mm -hmm. But now we keep everything. So I'm not really proud of the way we deal with death here in this country. That's just my opinion, though. Yeah, for sure. We've made it to some sort of capitalist venture where it's like you have to pay someone thousands and thousands of dollars to you know you I think there's even I I've never had to handle some but I've isn't there even death taxes you have to pay like that I don't know like I mean I remember it's all sorts of ridiculous stuff that you have to do when someone dies and I just I don't think it should be so hard you know because I've yeah. talked to people that have had to be the, um, or the, um, not benefactor, what's the word? Executor of the will. Mm-hmm. And this is described to me and it tears families apart because everybody starts arguing over the money, even though it, like, this is what the will says, you know, and then the family members will fight over that and blah, 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 blah. Like it just, it becomes like this big, selfish money grab type thing and everything is about money right and then they you know they put our elders in these assisted living homes with super subpar care Mm -hmm. and drug them to keep them docile i have all i have really strong opinions about this topic me too too. formulate them into words currently because first of all I have to pee me too and also I just have so many so many things on my mind currently a lot going on I know me too you might pause so we can both go pee real quick I don't mind at all all right let's do it
Oh, hi, we're back. Back. We peed. It was a mm -hmm. success. <laughs> Everything. Sorry, people, I'm eating sandwich. Yeah, everything came out okay. Yeah, yeah, it did. Sandwich right into the microphone. Let's give okay. the people what they want to hear. Some ASMR? Mm-hmm. Okay. Get real close. Can you hear it? Yeah, that was amazing. Okay, now I have I have harvest cheddar sun chips. So let Ooh. me let me get in too. Mm. <laughs> That's that? a very satisfying sound. Mm-hmm. Yours yep. is so much crunchier. I love it. <laughs> Yay. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the sound of a woman eating a banana. Amazing. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, God. We're so works, and I love it. I know. I'm here for it. It's amazing. Is there anything else you wanna you wanna add? I don't think so. Okay. Uh oh, I can hear my mom yelling. Can you hear that? Of course I can hear that, and it's probably gonna show up on our recording. She's not even yelling to clarify. She's just a very loud talker. But to yeah, be fair, she and I are akin. Yeah. Yeah. You're very loud people. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to share, I don't think. I think um, your mom has a good excuse for being loud, though, because she talks to old people all day. Mm-hmm. That's I true. don't. No, you were just born loud. <laughs> You're born loud Literally and you'll die loud. Fuck yeah. <sighs> yeah. Hmm, let me see. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to say, so maybe we should just wrap it on up. Okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. We're going to try real hard to get on a regular kind of schedule, but my work schedule keeps changing, so it's dumb. We're going to love you. We're going to miss you. We are going to love you, and we're going to miss you. Bye. Bye.